different and just try to follow the leadership of the Lord. If you don't know what just happened, that's a shofar, that's a ram's horn that was used in the Bible many times to do many different things. And uh, we're going to talk just briefly. I, I, I tell you what I've learned um, in life. <laughs> Boy, that could be a, that could be a long term. I'm going to give you one nugget today, okay? And anybody my age or close to it, I better get an Amen. We can't get it to you know what I'm going to say. You know, I, mean, you gotta, I appreciate that's faith. So you got to appreciate it. I can say something totally wacky. So, but you had faith that it was going to be good. Uh, speaking of which, I, I was in the gym yesterday and I had some old, some guy my age come up to me. And, I tell you, when you become that guy, this is when you become that guy. This is when you become that guy. He came up to me and goes, How old are you, man? <laughs> I told him, he gave me a high five and says, let's keep up the good work, bro. Let's keep up the good work. So, I guess I'm that guy now, right? I guess I'm that guy. Uh, what I have learned is that shows and television shows and movies, my wife and I did a no-no-no. No, no, no. I mean, I know nobody admits when they do unholy things, you know. But we watched a movie on TV the other day. We didn't go to the to the house of seeing Hopskin. <laughs> but we, nothing wrong, I'm playing, guys. That's how I grew up, though, and that stuff. But we watched a movie on TV today called Smokey and the Bandit, okay? Yeah. From the 70s. And we enjoyed that. But what, I don't know if it has nothing to do with the service, but I will say this. Shows in the 1970s are better. And if you grew up, remember shows from the 70s, they're better. And, 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 and one thing about shows in the 70s that are cool, not Smokey the Bandit, but we watch one show we like to watch is called The Rockford Files. If you ain't, if you don't know no Jim Rockford, you don't, you need to get a hold of some Jim Rockford in your life. And uh, but the thing about Jim Rockford, when you haven't seen a show from the '70s in 50 years or 40 years, and you watch it, you're going to see things that. And if you got a Roku, watch it. It's free. Here's here's the weird thing. You'll notice things that were common back then that you you just you can't believe they're doing it. And one thing they do, which confused us at first, is they do a recap because the show kind of tended to go to continue series to series, right? Yeah. Now they put everything kind of self-contained. But it'd be like you'd watch last week's show and it bled into this week's and bled into this week's. And what confused us is they'll do like a five-minute recap. I don't mean like a ten-second recap like they do nowadays sometimes. Yeah. They did a five, they do like a five-minute recap. And go over the whole last week, a little synopsis of it. And it confused us because we'll start watching it. And when the recap comes on, we'll be like, oh, we already saw this episode. But it's really just the recap. And so I, I say all that to say this. I, I think God wants us to continue going a little deeper and be intimate with Him. The word, the word this year, and, and I'm going to give like a three-minute recap. I'm not going to go long. I, we're going to get out of here early today, okay? I, 
And, and I'm going I'm to say that on faith. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and, and uh, so, I, but I want to kind of go back over just a couple things, a couple minutes, and then go into something new with it that God's taking us. Is that okay? Yes. What was the word 2023 that God gave this ministry? Okay, we're going to have to say it together in unison and loud because that was weak. That was like a poorly attended golf tournament kind of crowd reaction. I'm looking for Duke Cameron Indoor Stadium kind of reaction. I'm looking for some people excited to be in the house of the Lord. So the word we're repeating that we're going to do it together was draw near to me in 23. Yeah. So are you ready? Draw near to me in 23. I don't know if that's Duke, but that's pretty good. That's better than, uh, than the golf tournament. And, and, and so what we've been talking about is being intimate with God and, and, and not just for the sake of doing it, but for the belief that God is about to do something new in our lives that can be on the other side of this intimacy. That, that God wants to do something new in our lives. So just to, just to kind of before we get into the new stuff, just to recap a little bit of what God was pouring into us. If you remember, we went back last week to Genesis 3, to man in the garden, Adam in the garden. And we talked about how Adam and Eve and how Eve was tempted by the serpent, how Eve uh, took the fruit that she wasn't supposed to have. And, and we talked about before she did this thing, that God walked with man. That in the cool of the evening, that man, man and woman lived in this place, and they had dominion over this place, and God would come down in the cool of the evening and walk with them. And we proved that scripturally because we, we stated that at one point Adam heard God's footsteps and recognized them. That, that Adam knew God so intimately that he knew his gait. He knew the sound of God's footsteps. That's intimacy. When you can know the sound of someone's foot, you don't have to see them. You can be sitting there and you hear a footstep and you know the pattern of their footsteps. You have something called intimacy. And, and we heard how that when Eve was disobedient and Adam was disobedient, that that disobedience led to a feeling of inadequacy. They felt shame and nudity, shame and nakedness all of a sudden because they were disobedient and because they took the fruit of knowledge. And, and so that, then that inadequacy caused something amazing to happen for the first time. You see, God didn't, didn't run from Adam. Adam and Eve ran and hid from God. This disobedience and inadequacy caused them to run from God and hide and create something called distance. And then that distance created something called lack of purpose. It defeated their destiny. It, it changed their destiny. They were made to walk in communion and live in a garden with God. And then as a result of this distance, God had to remove them from the garden. And the Word of God says, that uh, God said, if we leave them in the garden, they'll be eternal beings. And God loved us too much to make us eternally flawed individuals. He had to give us a path. So in any event, as a result of that, there was a distance created as man was removed from the garden. And then we looked ahead. We talked about how God then later through Abraham gave a promise. That, that God wanted to draw His people back to Him. And He, he created a promise to a man, an old man an old woman. And he gave them a nation. He said a nation would come out. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. And then generation and generation. And we talked, there was a guy named Joseph the Dreamer that ended up sold slavery to Egypt. But God used that to save a whole nation. 
And so they were went to Egypt to be rescued. But we talked about how the rescue, they stayed too long and for 400 years they became slaves. And we talked about last week how if you stay in your place, God will put you in a place of rescue sometimes. But if you stay in your rescue too long, you will become enslaved. And so they became enslaved. And so then God sent Moses. And then Moses had to do the plagues. And they went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And they let the whole people out of Egypt. And God, Moses came to a red sea. And Pharaoh came behind him. You know the story. He's going to take him over. And God split the red seas where Moses lifted the staff. And they went through on dry ground. And God led them through the the fire of the pillars of the clouds. He led them and he fed them when they were hungry. He let it rain bread. I don't know about you, but that's pretty good. If it rained bread, man, my baby likes some bread. If it rained bread, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? We'd be in trouble. We'd turn them umbrellas upside down. We'd be catching us some bread, I promise you. And, and, and so then they get to the mountain of God. They're two weeks into their journey. We read about it. They're two weeks into their journey and they're going somewhere. How many says here? Let me tell you something. Today I'm here to tell you you're going somewhere. You may not feel like it, but you're going somewhere. This church is going somewhere. You are going somewhere. The devil tells you you're stuck. He tells you there's nowhere to go. He tells you there's a roadblock. But God says you are going somewhere. So as Mom talked about last week, we were about only a few miles to the purpose. They had been in slavery. But God had a place of destiny for them. A land of promise. God has a place of destiny for you. And it may not be a literal land, or it may be. But He's got a place for you to occupy that He has destined yes. you for. Come on, that you were made for this place. You were created for such a time as this. You are no accident. You were not just hanging in history. You were not just a print on the ground. God chose to hang you in this moment in history to put your position to put you right now. Because He has purpose for you. He has purpose. And they're right on the edge of the purpose. They're two weeks after leaving bondage. Kind of like a young Christian. And they get to the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, in Exodus 19. And God talks to Moses, the Redeemer, and He says, Moses, you got to be careful how we do this. But I'm going to blow my ram's horn, my shofar, the thing that Josh just so carefully did. And when I blow the long blast, I want all the people to come up on the mountain with me. God wants that for you. He wants you to have access to Him. And so that was what he wanted, God wanted to do. And then in Exodus 20, God says, the word God says, that the ram's horn blew. But the people backed up, stood at a distance, and said, Moses, we're scared. You go for us. That's how we live our life a lot of times. We put all our faith in men, like my father, or probably not me, <laughs> but if you do, or television preachers, and you do it for us, man. I don't want to go up on that mountain. And Moses tried to talk him into it. He said, oh, come on. I know it's loud. I know there's thunder. There's 
the earth is shaking and it's, it's, it's a powerful, it's an awesome thing. God is awesome. And I know right now you are two inches from a slave and you don't feel worthy. Somebody needs to hear this right now. God is awesome. And, and sometimes we don't feel worthy. So Moses said, don't be afraid. Just go on up and be with him. But the word of God says they remained at a distance. While Moses approached the dark cloud of God. And so that's where we ended last week. We talked about the concept that God is here. And he's beckoning people to come to him. And some will come closer. And some will be content to spend their whole life at a distance. Now what we did a little bit Wednesday night. We talked a little bit about what are the results or ramifications of living your life at a distance. How many knows you don't want to live your life at a distance from God? You don't want to. You don't want to. And I could go through the scripture we might in a little bit, but we talked about that Wednesday night. We're not going to do it here. But people got real and they got vulnerable. They talked about in their personal life how they had distance for other people and what the effects were. And then we compared that with what did that mean in relationship to God? But at least in the story of the Bible, this, this story of the children of Israel, we, need to, we didn't really get there. We need to talk a little bit about what was the effect of the decision of the children of Israel to stay in distance. Because if we would admit that sometimes we're, that, we're those guys. Yeah. Sometimes I'm that guy. Yeah. You ever see somebody say, don't be that guy. Turn in there and say, don't be that guy. Sometimes I'm that guy that when God is calling me closer, did I run away? Now, as Gerald was sending me an awesome text this week or recently, he said, you know, God don't go anywhere. Jesus said, I will be with you even to the end of the age. If there's any distance created, it's us who runs from God. God is always pursuing. In fact, as, as Gerald gave me a verse this week, if we just be still, he'll probably catch you. The problem is we're not even content to be still. We're not. Sometimes we're not God chasers, and we're not even content to be still, but we run from God. So we look at these children of Israel, and we say, well, what was the effect? So what? So what they didn't run up the mountain? Does everybody have to be close to God? I mean, can't we just rely on the preachers for that? Can I just be a okay guy that does my life? I mean, don't, don't I just want to do my life, my thing? It's all about my thing, isn't it? Isn't that what I want? And so we started looking at the scripture about what happened to the children of Israel. And, I, and so we look at Exodus 32. And I, I'm still summarizing a little bit because I'm not going to go back over everything we did Wednesday night. I just want to get us to this next one real quick, about five minutes. So in Exodus 32, what happened was that God, Moses goes up on the mountain. So the people are invited up on the mountain. They don't go. Moses goes up on the mountain. And he spends time with God. The people, while he's up there, they get impatient. And they say, Moses is spending too much time up there with God. We want to create our own God. And they went to Aaron and they started making idols. Let me tell you something. When you don't have intimacy with God, 
When there's distance in your relationship between you and God. When you get impatient, you'll start doing it your way. You'll start making your own idols. You'll start making your own gods. And you might even call that God Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus. It's something you've created. But so in that relationship, because they did not have intimacy and because they were comfortable to distance, they had no patience or endurance in their relationship with God to remain faithful when there was a delayed gratification. You know why we can't remain faithful when we have delayed gratification? When God doesn't answer as quickly as we want to answer, it's because there's a distance between us and God. We don't have intimacy with God. And because of that, we are not a faithful child. That lack of intimacy led them to create idols just because God wasn't... A... Now, you've got to understand this. I said earlier, Moby said this, they had just been delivered from slavery. They had just seen a sea split in half and the ground miraculously dry up and walked through then they get to the other side and watch as God crushes their enemy. Yes. They saw the power of God. <laughs> I mean, I, I love people say we need more power. We do need more power of God. But, we, but it wouldn't matter if right now the 20 of you levitating in this building. If you are not intimate with God, you won't have enough. God is powerful. You know God's powerful. That's not the problem. Are you willing to draw close to a powerful God? So they knew God was powerful. So why would they create an idol when they just saw a real God split a seed? They didn't have patience because they didn't have a relationship. So then Moses, who spent so much time with God, we see the flip side of that. God sees what they did, gets mad, and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wipe them off the earth. I'm just going to go. I mean, we can read it. We did it. We did read it Wednesday night. I'm not going to read it. I'm just summarizing. God, could, God wanted to. God wanted to destroy them. You know why God didn't destroy them? You know why? I mean, I, it's right in the Scripture. I mean, God, God it says why He does it. We don't have to guess. I don't have to give you my theory, my opinion. It says that Moses had such intimacy with God that he talked to God and said, God, I'm going to remind you of your promise. I'm going to remind you of your word. And God, you need to change your mind. And you know what the word of God says? God changed His mind. God I don't think God likes me and my family. We've been cursed for years. I don't believe that, but I will tell you this. Then get close to him and change his mind. Get close to him. Don't change his mind. That comes the relationship, Josh. You don't know somebody. That doesn't change your mind. Could you imagine somebody you don't know comes to you and says, do this, do that? Who are you? Somebody didn't know you say, come, come say with me today. 
Come hang out with me. You're going to be like, I don't know you. But when you have intimacy, you'll change your plans sometimes. When you have intimacy, you'll be inconvenient sometimes. When you have relationship. And so God changed Moses' mind. And, and I, I, I never even read this note in my Bible. I was looking back at it. And I read the note in my, in, my, in my annotation. This is not the Bible. This is just a note of this NLT translation. It says, in response to Moses' argument, the Lord changed his mind. This is not a picture of a raging tyrant who is will great, uh, with great difficulty finally pressured to back down. The Lord is much more inclined to be merciful than to insist on vengeance. And He invites those, listen to this, He invites those that are near to Him, like Moses, to give Him an occasion for His mercy through faithful intercession. God is looking to give mercy, but He's looking for somebody close enough to Him to, have, to talk Him into, to show Him a, that's what the Word says. God changed his mind because he had a relationship with a man who had his heart. Go after God's heart. It's not about doing this next Y and Z perfectly. Moses was a murderer on the run, had a warrant. He was on papers, guys. <laughs> but he was draw, he was willing to draw close to God. When the others ran, he went into the black cloud. Second part of it is that the children of Israel showed their lack of intimacy with God because they didn't trust Him. You know why relationships don't have trust? They don't have intimacy. They get to the place of their purpose, finally, and uh, all they got to do is cross the river and they sent the spies and the spies come back and say, well, ten spies said, you know, I don't know, it's kind of tough. And two spies said, you know, we can take this because we got God on our side. And, the people had a choice and they said, we don't trust God. That's what they said. And their actions said that, right? I mean, God says, go over there and take your destiny. But they didn't go. So when God gives you a word and you don't walk in that place of purpose, then it's probably the fact that we didn't trust Him to go. That we didn't have the trust. But you know why we don't have the trust? Because we don't have the intimacy. In your natural relationships, if you don't trust somebody, you don't have enough intimacy. Because once you get close enough to them, you'll trust. You will. It takes intimacy to trust. You gotta spend time together. You gotta know them. You gotta know what they're eating yet. When they eat, you know what they're You know the, the freckles on their arm. You know what they're doing at every second of the day, not because you're nosy and OCD about it, but because you know them good enough. Intimacy creates trust. And the problem is, we don't have enough intimacy with God, so we don't trust what He tells us. And so we're. The children of Israel didn't have the intimacy. They didn't have the trust. And they doubted God. They mumbled against leadership. And God said, I'm done. I'm done. Moses, you taught me the last time. I'm going to blow them up. <laughs> but Moses, they're done. I'm done. <laughs> because these people don't want relationship with me. These people don't want it. God isn't looking for perfect 
people. He's looking for people that want it. Yes. God's looking for people that want yes. relationship. They want intimacy. Yes. And those people didn't have it, so God said, you know what? None of those people ever in the promised land. Their lack of intimacy, as you as you extrapolate it out, cost them their purpose. They were meant to be in the land of milk and honey. That land was made for them. God took them out of Egypt to take them into that land. And their lack of intimacy, their lack of trust, their disobedience, their grumbling against God and His leadership, their making idols, their, their just lack of intimacy, lack of relationship, caused them to die in the wilderness. To die short of their purpose. They said a graveyard is the richest soil and the most valuable soil in Wise County or in California or anywhere you want to go. You know why? Because there's so many dreams that were supposed to happen that are buried in that dirt. There's so many God dreams that are supposed to happen that are buried in that dirt. That people didn't have trust enough, intimacy enough with God, and they lived, they died on this planet short of their purpose. I don't know when God's going to take me, and I don't know what it's going to look like, and I'm sure heaven, I'm sure not been perfect, and I'm sure took two steps up and four back sometimes. But I'm here to tell you this: that I don't want to die short of my purpose. I want my destiny to be my legacy. I want to leave something. I want to leave something behind that God wants to keep for my children and your children. I don't know about you, but I'd like to see God come your children farther than I go. And so, I would submit to you that intimacy, lack of intimacy and distance with God cost Adam and Eve the garden and it cost the children of Israel the promised land. And so what happened? Well, there was a Joshua generation <laughs> that went into the went into the, crossed the Jordan River that survived the wilderness. They wanted more of God. And they wanted a promise. They wanted a destiny. They believed in God. And they took their land. I believe in that for you. Yes. That no matter what, what Egypt's been or no matter what your past has been, that God has a destiny for you. And that you will be a Joshua. Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus. Same word. Yes. Same name. Did you know that? Yes. We talked about that the other night, my brother. Be a Joshua generation. Take the land. They took the land. But they always still struggle with lack of intimacy. The whole Old Testament is God's people struggling with lack of intimacy. God had a better plan. They struggled. They had troubles. God gave them judges. God gave them superheroes like Samson, who did a miraculous thing. The Spirit of God would descend upon him and do amazing things. He gave them judges, and they weren't satisfied with judges. So, okay, well, they don't want judges. They started saying, God, we need a king. So God gave them kings, and Saul wasn't a good king. But then, God rose up one that he had prophesied about. He ordained. His name was David. <laughs> a little boy. And, God, and David struggled with many things, but you know what David was good at? Intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. His name, or his nickname, one of his many nicknames, was a man after God's own heart. If you share a heartbeat with God, you're intimate. If you fall, if you are so pursuing the heart of God that, that you have the same heart, that your heart breaks for the things God's heart breaks for, that you love the things God loves, that you cry for the things God cries over, that you
you celebrate for the things God celebrates for, then you have a heart after God's own heart. I don't know about you, but I want to be, I, want, I would love that to be on my tomb. I mean, I can't proclaim that, but I wish God would come down and that would be a great epitaph. Here lies Heath, a man after God's own heart. That when he saw the broken heart, he cried. When he saw the hurting, he took time. That when God and the angels celebrated that one lost soul coming, that he celebrated like the angels celebrated because his heart was alive. You know why we have so many troubles? We're not, we've lost our intimacy with God, and God's calling us closer. So you hear my heartbeat. Child, they say, because the child's. One of the most intimate things with his mother, with her mother. They come out of the womb and they know their mother's heartbeat because for nine months or so they've heard that's been the constant. You know how you get a heart after God? You stay so close to Him that you can hear His heartbeat. You see what breaks His heart. It's not about you. It's not about me. See what excites him. And David was that man. And, and so David was just a little boy. And I, I can tell you some things about David that's pretty cool. And that's all we're talking about today. We're going to finish with David. I, I, there's so many places we could take this, and, and we're, we're not going to do it. Because used to, I would try to fit it all in. I'm not going to try. We're just going to talk about David for a few minutes. David was a different kind of man. His father didn't think much of David. Say, prove it. Well, Prophet Samuel came and said, God show me that one of your sons, Jesse, shall be king. And Jesse took every son he had to Samuel to try to get him to pick him. Here's Eliab. He's strong. He's got muscles. He's ripped, man. Take him. He looks like a king. And he took all of his children. And he wouldn't even take David to look at him. Even after everybody else had been disqualified. Samuel prophet said, What? Said, you gotta have one more. There's gotta be one more. Oh no, no, no. Just that crazy one that spends all this time out in the field with the sheep. We're out here doing our stuff, living our life. And that crazy one just spends all this time out there writing songs talking to God. He's not doing the, the stuff that this culture's belong. So they brought David and he was anointed and God said, that is my boy. He may not look the part, but he's got so even while David, even while David was rejected by his own father, and they were out there playing war and doing manly stuff and learning how to fight and doing all this kind of stuff, and David was secretly, not secretly, but they didn't even pay attention, was going about his father's business, killing lions and bears. 
They were out there playing their games. <laughs> David was killing stuff. And David was writing songs to his father. I'm going to read one of them. Psalm 139. A psalm of David. But I want you to see how intimate David was with God. You want to see intimacy with God? <laughs> read some of these psalms. I'm going to read one. Psalm 139. And I don't know how far I'll get. But I want you to read this. This is David writing to his God. Oh Lord! You examine my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand and blessing on my head. Such knowledge is so wonderful. Too wonderful for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down into the grave, you are there. I, if I ride the wings in the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I can ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my father mother's womb. Thank you for making me wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter, utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book and every moment was laid out before a single day passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. I don't know about you, but that's intimate. That's a love story. Listen, you write your honey bun, that kind of love note, you're going to get a kiss on the cheek. But David wrote that about his God. Because he was intimate with his God. He knew his God that kind of way. And, and, and so David, David faced many things. But throughout his journey, he remained intimate with God. That's what separated David. It wasn't that he was perfect. It was that he was always in conversation with God. What kills us sometimes is when we make one mistake. Oh, I'll get there in a minute. So David was intimate with God. When David was in the shepherd's field without the sheep, he was intimate with God. When David was doing his job, he was intimate with God. When David was alone and rejected by his father, he was intimate with God. When David went on the battlefield to take food to his brothers, he was intimate with God. He shows up on the battlefield and there's Goliath the giant and, and all the big soldiers that were out there playing soldiers and puffing up the chest and making show muscles. They were running from the giant. I'm going to tell you something, I think. Don't preach what you think. Preach what the Word says. But I think there's Bible to back up this, this thought. You know where God was on that battlefield? My people? Where the giant was? 
He was waiting for somebody to take that rascal out because destiny was on the other side of the giant. And David went towards the giant. But David wasn't going towards the devil. David was going towards what God was drawing him towards. Let me tell you something. You're in a battle right now. Maybe the problem is God is waiting at the giant. And it's time to charge and close the distance. So David killed the giant. He slung the stones, killed the giant. 
but he was close with God. He served Saul close to God. And then when Saul turned on him, and Saul became jealous, and Saul lost, the Spirit of God left Saul. The Word of God says, Saul started hunting David down, wanted to kill him. David could have got bitter. David could have got mad. David could have pouted and got cold on God, wanted to cry, not wanted to breathe his word. But you know what David did? He stayed closer and closer. He remained intimate through every blow. You could read the Psalms. He remained intimate. He stayed true and he grew closer and closer to God. He was close to God when he was on the run. He was close to God when they had wanted posters for him. He was close to God when he was hiding in the cave. He was close to God when Saul and his men were trying to take him out. He was close to God when there was no nation that even take him because he was a dangerous man and nobody wanted that kind of man around. When he was lonely, when the only company he could find was outlaws and men, he was still intimate with his God. And he found God in that place. He always remained intimate with his God and so God rewarded him. And... Uh, through all that intimacy, through all that challenge, God rewarded him. And he became king. And he became not just a king. He became the king that was destined to create the legacy which Yeshua, Jesus Christ, would be. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes. That'd be almost a perfect story if we ended there. See, the children of Israel, when adversity hit them, they let distance come in between them and God. Sometimes we do that, right? Like the great, like the great theologian Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan to get hit in the job. Sometimes when life hits you in the jaw, you back up from God if you're honest. Or if I'm honest. But you know what's weird about David? He never had that problem. Every adversity he ever went through, he drew closer to God. The thing David had a problem with was the opposite. When he started doing good, Things got easier for him. When he was on the run, he was intimate with God. But all of a sudden, he got a palace. Life got comfortable. Life got more comfortable. He had a palace and he could do whatever he wanted. And it was that that David couldn't take. Because that is where David allowed distance to come to him. There's times in your life where the blows and hardships of life will cause you to retreat from God. But there's times when apathy and lack of desperation. You know why it's hard sometimes to be into with God in the palace? Because it's hard to be desperate in the palace. You don't literally watch Rocky Three. It'll preach. Sometimes it's hard to keep your desperation and your passion 
When you don't have something, you're not fighting hell every morning you wake up. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? The human condition? That sometimes when it's hard, we run from God. And sometimes when it's too easy, we run from God. And maybe I'm the only one that struggles that in my life. <laughs> but that's what happened to David. Because I told you, through all, all of his life, David was close to God. But, say but. But. <laughs> I can go with that. Second Samuel 11. I want, I want you to just read this. I just want to read uh, one verse, 11 1. If you, if you want to put that up, like, you can't. Like, I know it takes you a minute, and I know I might. Put it up now! <laughs> just keep it up for a minute. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war. David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind Jerusalem. I want you to keep that up. The first sentence and the last sentence are what I want you to pay attention. The first clause and the last clause, actually. In the spring of the year, when kings... Now, David is the king. David is the ultimate king in the whole Bible except for Jesus. He's the ultimate Old Testament king. He is the attribute that we call king. And I'll talk about that then. He's a king. And he's in the season that kings go to war with their people. But you look at the last thing. David stayed behind. The scripture says this is the time that kings are supposed to go fight. And David had always been a man of war. He had always been on the battlefield with his men. I can tell you story after story. We've read them of David's mighty men, their exploits. But David is right there fighting with his men. But in the time that kings are supposed to go to war, David backed up and got a little lazy. And distance was created with God. Here's the problem. The first night they were off the war and David was laid behind and not having to go out there and hang out with smelly men and sheep and horses and eat food out of provision and sleep on the ground. And that first night it probably wasn't bad. <laughs> See, when you allow distance with God, the problem is at first it's okay. <laughs> it's not like the moment you back up, you just fall in a hole. It could be sometimes. But usually it's not that way. Our rope is a little longer. So the first night, David probably said, okay, man, you know what? I heard this. He, he, he probably started reasoning in his mind why he shouldn't be like every other king. <laughs> why he shouldn't do all the things he's been doing. I'll just give a rationalization in my mind. I earned this. I've earned it. But I don't want to have to go to this service or do this thing. I've earned it. Don't God see everything else I do? I do more than these other fools before they get up. Well, I don't have to go to here. I go to here. I've earned it. And distance is created. It's okay at first. There's always repercussions of distance. 
there's always repercussions. And so the very next verse, I want you to put it up there. I'll summarize real quick. One day, David, while he's in distance with God, not being where he's supposed to be, is just taking a walk. He took a walk one day and ran into a giant. And it was no problem because he ran towards his God. But now he's allowed distance to jump in. And he's on that roof. And when he sees that little beautiful woman, he didn't write a song. <laughs> and so David took the Sheba. But it really doesn't end there. It wasn't just that he took the Sheba because David had a lot of wives. <laughs> And his son had more. The problem was that she was husband was Uriah Hittite, who wasn't just a soldier, he was one of David's mighty men who David was very close to had been with him in the cave. But that still wasn't even a problem. The problem when it came down to it, before David was ready or willing to go back to God and go to Uriah and say, I've wronged you. Forgive me. David was willing to kill him. It's free. It's not just betrayal. You all betray somebody every day. We all do. Not every day, but we all betray people. We all have. But to take it to the point where my pride is so valuable that I will literally kill you before I'll admit or show sorrow to you. And so he said that you're right, it's to die and kill you. There's consequences to distance. And here's where I want to tell you that. That sounds sad, and, and it is sad. And that may be where somebody in this room is right now. I don't mean that you've killed a Hittite. <laughs> but I mean you might have had distance come in and now that things have spun out of control. David didn't look at this thing. When David saw that, David wasn't trying to kill nobody. David was just trying to get out of his own mess. And sometimes we try to get out of our own mess our own way. We just muddle things up worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he first tried to get him to come and, and, and set up things so he could just... He tried all this stuff. He tried to unmuddle the mess. But then, he was willing to kill his friend. But in that situation, David had a choice. He could then run from God the rest of his days. And he would have been a tragedy in this Bible. Or he could return to intimacy with God. I tell you this story to say this. Some of you feel like David. And that you feel like you've messed up so bad in your life at some point. That there is no intimacy with you and God. That we're preaching all this stuff on drawing near to God, intimacy with God. And preacher, you don't understand. I've killed a Hittite. I've done something bad. And somehow the devil has talked to you into some idea that that excludes you from intimacy. What David teaches us is this. The time he allowed distance to come in and he failed. In that moment, he had a decision to make. Run further. Return and run back to us as God. And David knew the heart of God. And he wasn't satisfied. Stay outside.
get outside of God's presence. Everybody in this room, you're capable of messing up, and you do. But when you really know God intimately, you can't stay there. You can't stay there. You can't stay in that condition. So I want to read, and we're, we're, we're closing with it, but we just read this. A psalm that David wrote after his big mess up. <laughs> after he failed, after he let distance come into his life, he wrote a psalm. Psalm 51. And the, 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 the description says from the choir director, a psalm of David regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. This is what David's response was to God. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from your sin, for I recognize right my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you. And you alone have I sinned. I've done much evil in your sight, and you will be proved right in what you say. Your judgment against me is just, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt and create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to the rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You don't want to burn offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifice offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. And the bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. You know what Jesus, what, uh, that's unfortunate. Do you know what David did after he murdered his friend? He did the only thing he knew to do. He got back close to his God. I think we as humans, we just think there's got to be some sentence imposed. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but Jesus teaches his grace. And no matter what you or I do, he's calling back. He says, it's okay. Yeah? Probably should have killed him again. But I love you. I want you back with me. And not only that, not only that, not only did God take David back, <laughs> he blessed him through it. You know that relationship with Bathsheba? You know who the offspring of that relationship was? Man named Solomon, that's king. And did you know now that in the bloodline or lineage of Jesus, 
in addition to the harlot, in addition to his Bathsheba. Bathsheba is one of Jesus' great grandmammies. Is that restoration? That God can use your failure and make it right again. And you know what else? David never lost his legacy or position because he stayed close to God and he came back to God. He didn't allow distance. And that's why I think too many of us get, as we said it earlier, we come to Jesus on fire. And then we mess up once. And sometimes that one mess up spirals and we run away in fear and shame and we allow distance and we lose our destiny. Don't let one mess up take away your purpose. Don't let one mess up. Revelation 5 and 5, or 5 1 through 5. Won't you put up, don't you put that up, Nathan? I'll read that real quick. Right, just read it right here. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and outside of the scroll, it was sealed with seven seals, and I saw the strong angel shout with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals of this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven on earth. For under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the twenty-four elders to me said, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll. The King James of the NIV says, From the root We don't have NIV. You have a King James? Yes. Put that one up. Or ESV. <laughs> oh, look at this one. We not the whole line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Yes. In Mark 10, blind Bartimaeus says, Have mercy upon me, son of David. <laughs> In Matthew, when the crowd was praising, they said, Hosanna to the son of David. David's intimacy flashes forward centuries later to the point that now Jesus is called in the book of Revelation the root of David. How much more intimate can you be than a root and a branch? Or we could look at John 15. One four, I am the true vine, remain in me as I also remain in you. All this shows intimacy. It shows this. That no matter what you've done in your life or what you think you've done, God is all about restoring you to even greater than you were before. Greater than you. He's not about trying to put We as humans want to put pieces of puzzles back together. But God's about to build you back bigger and stronger. Yes. And greater. He wants it. He wants to 
last to be the best. He wants to bless it. He wants to show you that your inadequacies can become part of His plan. But it starts with intimacy with God. Nothing you can let it Nothing else you learn from the service. As we go forward in the coming weeks, know that nothing's better than intimacy. When you have intimacy in a relationship, and when you have distance, you have problems. And if you and I have problems today, we can probably start asking ourselves, how's our relationship with God? How's our intimacy with God? How's our God time? How's our desperation time, right? Be a man after a woman after God's heart. Have your heart beat for what He beats for. Don't make your decisions every day about what you want, what fits your schedule. What if we started making our decisions every day about what would Jesus do in this situation? What would He have us do? So I thank you for being what we got through David. <laughs> and maybe unlike, unlike Rockford, maybe next time we come back to this, we won't do the whole summer again. Okay? So the ones that come in later, they're just going to miss the first part. Go back and watch it. Okay? But God is desiring more intimacy from you. He's desiring you to come closer. He wants to do things in your life. He wants to put you in a place of purpose. And that place of purpose is found in intimacy with you. You'll never get where you, God wants you to be in a distance. We'll get to that eventually. Don't live your life at a distance. So can I ask you to bow your head? Thank you for being patient. I know... When you do these series, and I don't know that we'll do it every week, but the way we do things here, I kind of doubt it, but we'll kind of be going through this series this year, coming and going. When you do these series, sometimes people say, well, preacher, you keep telling me to get more close to God, and I already come to altar and got close to God last week. <laughs> but maybe God is reminding us every week, to draw closely. That there's levels of intimacy that you don't even touch yet. He's about it. He's about you. He loves you. And he puts you in this place right now. At this time. For a reason. You're not in state. You're not an accident. You are God chosen. You are damned. You are here for this time. This day. Knew that from the start. And maybe, maybe it does look like every week that's coming and getting closer and closer and praying, God, please make me closer. God, please let me get closer. God, remove anything that let me remove anything. I, I think we keep waiting for God to remove stuff. And God's saying, Why don't you remove big boy or big girl? Remove stuff that's between me and you. Sometimes we pray for stuff like that, like right? We pray for God to do something we don't want to do it. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's about every week getting closer and drawing closer and drawing closer. Maybe, maybe this service, maybe this series doesn't end. Maybe the rest of our lives we're supposed to draw closer and closer to God. Maybe. And maybe there's probably purpose in that. Maybe today God wants to change your life. If you're in this room and God's talked to you at any point in this service and He's told you 
And you've heard him say, come to me. I don't mean necessarily give your heart to Jesus, or it could be if you don't know him. But I mean, you know there's distance and you want to get closer to God. If you want to get closer to God today, and he spoke to you, with nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand with me right now? All over this room, if God is speaking to you, and you want to get closer to God, I don't care if you've been to the altar 38 times, closer is closer. Closer is closer. <laughs> if I was going to Florida, I'm close, but I can get closer. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. God is drawing you in. It's not me. It's not about me at this moment. It's about you. Just hands up all this, but anybody else that God is saying, come closer. Anybody else want to be close to God? You just want that? You want that? Do you want that for your life? Do you want to spend more time with him? Do you want to know his heart better? Maybe you're not, maybe you're not like a horrible person. Or maybe I'm not a horrible person. Maybe we're just people. Maybe we just mess up. But maybe sometimes we do let stuff get in there, right? Right? We all do. But today God said, I want you. So here's what I'm going to do. And, and we may do this every week. I don't know. And if you came last week, come again if God's called you. I love being said, well, can you come to the altar two straight weeks? Can you not? Can you not? Can you not? I want to count to three. And if God is calling you in closer, or you just want to be closer, then I'm just going to ask you to come, and we're not going to do any fuss. We're just going to pray together. But I want you to remember the... Mm, like we talked about with Exodus, I want you to remember the feeling of walking towards God. You can walk towards God in your mind right now, in your spirit right now, where you're sitting, but there's something powerful about walking towards Him. You'll remember that. When the devil gets in your ear and says, you didn't get nothing out of that service, you will remember what it felt like to walk. You will remember what it felt like to chase God. You will remember what it felt like to shut the distance as you walk towards your God. So if God is touching your heart, when I count to three, I want everybody to stand. And I want some people to start coming and chasing God and closing. I don't care what you did. I don't care what mistakes you make. I don't care what the devil tries to throw up at you and tell you you're not worthy. Behold, the root of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is in the house. One, two, three, I want you to move. I want you to move. God says, come in. God says, come in. God says, come close to me. God says, come close to me.